Hello, welcome to Talk Racing to Me with Naomi. The idea I hinted at last week, well, it came to fruition. Long-standing morning line odds maker, as well as Equibase chart caller and Maryland Jockey Club handicapper Keith Fustel joined me. He does all of the above for the Maryland region, so Laurel Park as well as Pimlico. We start off discussing how he got into making the morning line odds, as well as the dynamic between other odds makers. Then we get to the good stuff. We go over two races at Laurel Park on Friday, so this Friday, race two and race three, pull up your PPs. And Keith walks us through the process of creating the morning line. So pause, make notes, try it out for yourself. It's quite a fun and interesting thing to do. In addition, make sure to stay tuned after the discussion as I will add some pointers, things Keith mentioned when we had finished recording and we were both walking back down towards the track's entrance. Fun fact, we are upstairs in the Laurel Park press box surrounded by old replays and press clippings as well as a wonderful view of Laurel Park race course. Keith, I'm so glad you joined me here on Talk Racing to Me. First time ever. Yeah, this is a first for me too. My first podcast, right? Is this considered a podcast? Yes, okay. absolutely. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not hip with all of these new things. So, oh, but yeah. you're on air nearly every single race yeah. day, so it can't be that new. Oh, I guess. I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm just all this young stuff. The, the podcast. That's, <laughs> that's out of my league. No, I'm good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you agreed to get on. You wear many different hats here at Laurel Park. You uh-huh. create the morning line. You're the morning line mm-hmm. odds maker. You're our on-air handicapper for the morning shows. Right. And in the afternoon, you work for Equibase mm-hmm. and you draw up the charts. Yes. Let's get started with making the morning line odds. How okay. do you get into this side of the business? Because I wouldn't assume that this is something that you dream of doing when you're growing up. No. No, not at all. I mean, I've been around horse racing for a long, long time, soon to be 53, but uh, don't feel 53, but I've been around a long time and I've been gambling probably since I've been 12, 13, you know, giving bets to my dad back in the day or who are friends or wherever we go to the racetrack and they would make the bets for me. But uh, no, um, but getting into the morning line side of things, I was kind of thrust into it. Um when I was working with the Racing Times, uh, that was a paper that started like in the early 90s. Uh, Stephen Chris kind of developed it and had a really kind of an all-star cast. Um, I was young. I was I was kind of a hanger-on in the press box. I was a senior in college. And Marty McGee, actually, from the Daily Racing Forum, was working here in Baltimore uh, for the Baltimore Sun and, and was asked to do something for another company. He couldn't do it. He said, hey, Keith, would you want to do this? So it was just before the race time, so it was a thing called Figs Form. So anyhow, worked for them a little bit. They didn't last that long, um, but ended up moving on to uh, with the Racing Times and was kind of like their morning line guy. I covered the jersey circuit with Steve Schwartz, uh, the late Steve Schwartz. He was a PR guy up in New York. But uh, yeah, and, and I kind of just learned it right right then and there. I, I did, you know, the comments and everything like that. If you go back, there's a, the papers. I don't know if you've ever seen the racing times. We still have a few of them left. Um, but that was it. Uh, had to kind of learn it a little bit on my own. I did it there for a couple of years for the paper during their existence. 
and then really didn't get back to doing a morning line until Colonial Downs uh, was racing. They needed a line maker, and that's going going back probably in the late 90s, early 2000s. I was doing a line there for quite a while, for like maybe 14 years. Was mm -hmm. it something you enjoyed doing? Because clearly you came back to uh, it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I like it. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a really kind of a feel thing. Some guys are good at it. Even some gamblers that are good gamblers just aren't a good line maker. Um, it's total feel. You've got to understand the public. Um, you're looking at it completely different. You're not really handicapping the race per se. You're just kind of trying to guide the public. So I, I want, when I have odds next to horses' names each day when you're looking at it, that the better, a novice better especially, they kind of know, okay, this is kind of what I'm going to get when the races, when the horses break from the gate. So that's the guide. Um, I think I do a pretty good job day in and day out. And I think that's, you need a good line maker, I think, at each racetrack. It, it, it can help you. Some, some people don't even want to look at a morning line. Like there's some handicaps, some gamblers that won't even look at it. They want to do their own thing. Uh, and that's fine. But as especially for me, I think it's best for maybe newer betters um, that they have a really good idea of what to expect when they go to the window. Of course, the prices fluctuate mm -hmm. a lot in, let's say, the, the 15 minutes leading up to the race. Sure. Does that ever make you nervous that you're looking at the board and it's completely different yeah. from how you uh, saw it? We talked about it here. It happens day in and day out, um, especially in the last few in the last few years. You know, with, with the events, money just comes in. It pulls in late into these sources, and, and then it really kind of hits the board, and then you see those odds change because... Like today, we had a horse I had lined at you know six or eight to one, was all of a sudden opened at six to five, stayed around six to five, seven to five for a long time, but eventually floated up to about nine to two. We did have a scratch in the race, so therefore, naturally, when scratches occur, you know horses are going to come down in odds for the most part. But uh, yeah, it, I don't panic too much until it gets very close to post, and I'm like, oh man, I whiffed, I missed. But it, you'll hear me on the morning show even talk about it sometimes when we're handicapping the races and. I'll go back a second time, and if I'm coming back a hand, I'll, I'll admit if I'm wrong. If I say, "Hey, I've got this horse lined at ten, you know, maybe maybe take a look. This horse probably going to about five or six, um, because you do sometimes you take a second look at it, and uh, things do. You, you're like you got a different opinion. You're like, yeah, that's right, I miss, but I, I'm willing to kind of admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> so do you try and, and take a look at the field for a second time, or you kind of refrain from doing that aside from when you mm. go on and then handicap? Because I know that. Uh, you send us the morning line by email. So always right. like that. And sometimes you send a follow-up email with an alteration. Yeah, I will. I don't do it too Not often. Not often. No, no, no. It's yeah. very rare. But yeah. Sometimes you do. So hence I wondered, do you often go back to the fields? Um, well, well it, I obviously have to go back. My first run is straight through. was looking at it from a morning line standpoint. I don't do a ton of quote-unquote handicapping when I'm going through that line the first time. Um the morning of, sometimes it's the morning of, or I shouldn't say the next morning, I'll take a look and if I have time to make a change, but right before I submit, submit it, finally, uh, I'll make a little bit of change. But uh, I'm usually good first go. You know, your first guess is usually kind of your best guess. Yeah, kind of for like me. A, a creative and a feel for the feel. Yes, yes. And, and, and like I say, the one thing you can't sit there is just dwell over it. It will drive you crazy. You'll lose focus. You kind of just, you know, you're going to miss sometimes making a morning line. It's just going to happen. The best of them, it happens. So you just got to deal with it. Um, 
you'll be ripped apart sometimes because people don't ever compliment me, never during the, hey, you, you know, you did a great job on seven of the nine races. The other two, you know, you stunk up the joint. But, um, you know, it is a thankless job in that. And there's people that love to just look for the worst in people. And they will come after you. You know, that's why I don't have Twitter. I, I, I don't need any of that stuff. You need Twitter. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. you do. No, I wouldn't because last people long. people need your pick. I would not last long on that at all. But uh, that's a good thing. But no, I, I'm not here to... I don't want to toot my own horn or anything. I, I'm not like that. But uh, it is a, it's tough in that, you know, only your mistakes really are kind of they're, they're highlighted. Highlighted, yeah. So I guess if I don't hear much, it's a good thing, you know, because I'm doing I'm doing the odds the right way. So if I don't so hear too much uh, complaining. How, how do you get, you know, job satisfaction out of this work by mm. just – looking at it and going, yeah, I had that quite accurately lined and you can tell yourself that you're doing a, a decent job. Yeah, I just, job. I sit here and, and, and pat myself on the back you now or <laughs> ask Bill or Jack or anybody up here in the press box, hey, that was pretty good, wasn't it? But no, I think it's sometimes when you have um, bigger fields, contentious fields, and, and you want that. I learned this from, from going back with Frank Caroli, being around him. I thought he was a very good line maker um, who I followed here at the Maryland Jockey Club is that, you know, you want to be good from top to bottom. You know, a lot of people kind of look at a race and almost kind of get that favorite. It's working through the field, those second, third, fourth choices that, you know, you, you want to be consistent all the way through the field for, for, for the gambler. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. So can we get going on the process of creating the morning mm. line odds? I remember when I just got here, I came yeah. up here and you explained to me what yeah. your way is. You said you have a couple of races. Well, I, I've got a race here. Let's let's see. Okay, I did which a, race are we talking about? I here? did. Let's see. This is Friday's card. So, um, Friday's card at Laurel Park. Yes. Clarifying for everyone. Yeah, clarifying Friday at Laurel. So, um, we can look at the second. It's a it's a maiden forty. I mean, every race is its own little is its own little puzzle. And I guess the first thing we're talking about, you know, you're looking at the odds. Each odd contains like a, a certain percentage, you know, adds up to a hundred, you know, you want goes to a hundred and then you kind of add in the takeout for the win, which is like 17, could be 16, 17% based on the racetrack. So now you're at like a 117 and a lot of guys will add one percentage or one point uh, for each horse in the race. So you're, what's the uh, point for each horse uh, in the race? There you go. So, so that's kind mm -hmm. of the, the thing everybody wants. You can actually, I think, search online, and there, there may be some tools that will will show you what it equates to. Like two to one is worth thirty three points. Basically, it's two plus one is three hundred divided by three thirty three, and it just works so on like that for for each odd that you put down. So that's kind of it. Even money is fifty. So. Uh, 20 to 1 is 4. But but anyhow, the first thing when I'm looking at a race, I kind of, one or two things. Quickly, if the favorite jumps out at me, great. Um, or who really is not going to get any play at all. So and I just kind of knock them out in, in, in just kind of a brief look of, of, of the race. So I can kind of kind of start from there. And then when I zero in on the favorite, and usually um, I'm looking for, I use the daily racing form to, you know, the information is, uh, I'm looking for that top buyer figure recently. I'm looking cause, cause I'm thinking of the gambler running to the window, simulcasting, whatever. Now, you know, we're not here at the track now, but some normal circumstances, uh, they're looking quick. 
most of the people looking quick at, at, at their at their form or their program or whatever, they're looking for that top figure. And then that's, you know, that's going to equate a lot of times. And then I have kind of a varying degree off of that comparing, you know, a number, uh, say a horse in this race, say the favorite runs a 60 and then uh, another horse in the race runs a 50. Well, I kind of have to normal things. So I, if, I, if I've got the 60 horse at two to one and there's a, the 50 looks like the clear second choice and there's gaps, you know, two to one, seven to two, four. It's, it's just a weird feel. It's something I've kind of developed knowing how when people look at the figures, how they kind of end up working themselves out into an odd for me. That's that's just the way I kind of do it and, and go through from there. There's certainly varying factors. Um, trainers, trainers off the claim. I mean, and uh, sometimes jockeys, not a ton. Um, now, there'll be instances where, say, like, uh, or Tyrod Ortiz or somebody will come down on a Saturday to Laurel and I'm thinking, well, you do have to give him a little bit extra or or any kind of those top jocks because they'll come in here thinking okay they're leaving their home circuit they're going to come in here to ride maybe a couple horses maybe for a, like a chad brown so normally if you're just looking at face value on paper horse should be two to one i'm probably going to make that horse eight to five maybe even seven to five because you know that 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 just that extra money is going to pour in on on you know a connection like that yeah so that's it can we get started on so that So we race? want to do this race, yeah. race six. I mean, race, race to uh, Laurel on Friday. It is a, uh, what, a maiden 40. So you're kind of just glancing at it. And you also you have to look at, like, where the horses bet last time out. How much money did they take last time? I mean, there's, it's just, it's, I mean, it's such a, a feel thing. But once you kind of get it, you can kind of go and, um, so let's look. It's field of seven, right? Uh, we can roll through it real quick. The one horse is a horse that ran first time out, made in special weight. So a slight drop. Did not take any money whatsoever in debut. Um, there is a fact that the horse is a first time gelding, uh, but ran a buyer of 13. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking the horse is 55 to one first time out. Uh, recent gelding, maybe you could give a little bit of credence to that, but I'm kind of looking at the food the favorite is there's a big gap in, in figures. Um, so... 20, 15 to 1 in range is, is what you kind of make of that. So we found like our longest shot on the board. It was the one. Um, the bottom horse is a horse that really hasn't taken a ton of play, taken okay play in its first two races. But when I look at the field, the seven, Dr. Ferber, uh, clearly a top figure uh, in his last race. And, and even his debut was was clearly better than everybody else. So I'm, I'm kind of looking. All right, let's look at the rest of the field. Well, other than these two first-time starters, the horses that have run, I can't see them getting more play. So I'm zeroing him on the favorite. Uh, now the connections with the firsters, are they are they trainers that kind of will take play? Yes, Farrier and Ness, but they don't get overly bad. No you Whitney know? Russell. Well, yeah, yeah, no Whitney <laughs> Russell for right now. So, yeah, so then I'd have to kind of temper things a little bit. So I take a little bit of a stand. I, I make this horse 9-5. to five. Um, Farrier has two horses in the race. Obviously his horse making a little jump, the two horse of a good debut number works. Um, blinkers go on numbers, not terribly far off, uh, Dr. Ferber. So, and he took a little bit of play. So, and, and looking at this, this is a maiden 40. This horse started maiden 25. Once a shorter field, and there's really not a whole lot. It's not really a step up in class today. So I'll give that horse respect around seven to two. Ferrier's other horse has Toledo. Uh, now there's a situation with a jockey. He rides Toledo a lot. He had some pretty good success. Um, I know the mayor just off the top of my head. I knew the mayor, so I didn't, I didn't go 
dig deep on the breeding or anything, this horse will take a little bit of play. And the same thing, Jamie Ness will take a little play as well with first-time starters. And that's that's kind of the run of race two. That was quick. Um, but turf season, you know, we're, we're a few months away. That can really racks things up a little bit too. That can make it, it tough as well because you'll have horses hitting the turf for the first time. You might have to dig just a touch in breeding, not a ton. Um, and that, 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 that can throw you a curveball as so well. So can you tell me the points you assi assign okay. to each horse? Yeah. Yeah. So, so the one horse so right now we'll stick with what we've got. So the one horse is uh 20 to one. So that's four points. You know, 20, you know, that's just the way it works. That's 7 to 2 is 22. That's the second. Number 2, swing your sword, 7 to 2. Uh, number 3 uh, is 12 to 1, Wicked Pranks. It could be a little bit higher. May, may adjust. Four horse also, 7 to 2. That's 22 points. The race, uh, the horse number 5 orientated is 20. 20 points because he's 4 to 1. 4 to 1 is 20. Uh, six horse, stretch the truth, 6 to 1. That's basically around 14 points. Sometimes a little bit more, you know, you're going to go really kind of get uh, picky. But, yeah, that's 14 on my normal scale, daily scale. And the seven horse, nine to five is 36 points. So you add them up, four and 22 is 26 and seven is 33 and 22. 55 and 20, 75 and 14 is what? Uh, 89, 36, like 125. So I'll, I'll probably tweak this down a little bit. I, I want this about 122 uh, for, for my total. So. Yeah, well, I hope I added up right. I'm, I might not up that fast, but that's what you want. In like a seven-horse field, you really don't want it much more than about 22, yeah, okay. 122. So because mm -hmm. you were saying you might go 117 and then add another point for each for race. Each but horse. Then you still would end up higher than one. A little bit, but there's breakage and all of it, like with the percentage. So that's I just kind of leave it at that, and uh, and that's usually good enough. That's good. I, I haven't had a ton of complaints. <laughs> you're doing a great job i'm getting you on so, because you so are we'll doing a say. wonderful job yeah but that's it that, i mean that's that, that's a typical race i mean and some some days you can fly through a card you know you can do it an hour and a half maybe maybe even less i mean it just depends some days you, you you'll have a big 12 race card and you know big fields and it could be two and a half hours and you say i, I put it down then I'll come back to it. I mean, because your brain can really get fried. Um, and I know a lot of morning line makers, they'll attest to that. It can really battle with you. And you say, who are they going to play? Who are they? You know, thinking just the public, you know, because we, we, we want this right. There's no doubt. So yeah, every day is a different challenge. Mm -hmm. Do you chat a lot with other morning line makers about what techniques they use or if you're um, struggling with something or just in general? Is mm -hmm. there like a bit of camaraderie and kind of like exchange of knowledge or is this quite no, a solitary? I think, I, th I think, you know, each guy, each track, they kind of do their own thing. Um, and you don't want a lot of outside noise. So, um, really I don't associate with a ton of people other than the people that I've always kind of known around here. Um, I've got a good friend of mine, Vinnie Perone. I respect as a handicapper, former writer for the Washington post. Um, I'll lean on him because he knows kind of what I'm looking at. And I'll, I'll say, you know, and I'll say, hey, can you take a look at this race for me? Do you, do you think I've got it right? You know, and, and he was never been an official morning linebacker, but through all the years has a clear, uh, uh, you know, he can really kind of look at it and see, yeah, you, you're kind of seeing this from the public's perception the right way. Frank Curley, I'll go back to Frank. Um, 
and, and, and I'll throw him a raised, you know, here. He did it for so long. I mean, I, I hate bothering him, but I think, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here. And I will. I'll admit it sometimes. I say, can you give me another set of eyes on this to, to really kind of say, okay, you got this right and you got this wrong. And I'm always open to getting a little bit of help in that because you're gonna you're gonna hit roadblocks sometimes but because that's what we do on Preakness time and it was kind of a thing that Frank used to do he'd huddle up about three or four people because the one advantage here is we're year-round I think it's a lot easier to do a morning line at a track you're you, you know these horses I mean we don't get a lot of strange springtime turf season starts maybe but day in day out knowing the trainers knowing the jockeys the trends who's hot off the claim and everything like that makes it a little bit easier to be consistent. Um, you get racetracks, you know, you probably Saratoga, you know, everybody kind of converges. Maybe a fairgrounds or a golf string for this championship meet. It it that Oakland, when horses kind of come from all over, form works a little different. Even buyer figures a little bit kind of don't always kind of relate to each track. Yeah, they should, but it, it it's it it can kind of make a a little tricky as to as to how to kind of really come up with a good good line. That that's not easy. I mean, a couple of those racetracks. I look at them. I I would not want to be the line maker there. Yeah. So. Quite content to yeah. be here on the Maryland circuit. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's fine. Yeah, don't sign me up for for a track that I don't know. You know. Well, yeah, because you, like you mentioned, you know which trainers or jockeys or combinations yeah. take money. Mm -hmm. Certain moves that yeah. they're kind of known for do well off, or the percentages that jump yeah. off the page and i've known i i've seen what our betters you know i see kind of the way the money flows in maryland you asked me that about new york or if i had to go up to saratoga i'd say absolutely not you know it would it would take a while to get used to it to a point i mean there, there there's no doubt yeah. can we do another race you want to do yes. one more yes one more or, or, oh jeez oh man let's see <laughs> uh, i mean I, i'll yeah because these fields aren't aren't Terribly, uh, let's see. Well, I, I'll, I'll go to the third real quick. I mean, you okay. can kind of look so through it too. Laurel Park Friday, the third race. Race three. And here's the situation. And once again, so I'm going to take a quick look. It's a $5,000 two in life. So we really haven't picked, you know, the, the, the higher echelon maybe of a race. But still, each race you want to be right. I mean, I mean, guys are betting on every race. So. Some more than others, but first thing that jumps out of me, the one horse's form, recent form, just hasn't been good. Um, so we're going to throw that horse in a, in a higher range. Um, we're going a mile, it's two in life. It's horses of struggle. You know, you've got one for 13, one, one for 30 in the race, one for 16. So I'm kind of looking, all right, let's, let's look at recent couple numbers. And can I get a trainer maybe that jumps out at me a little bit too? So... Here lies the situation. This is a little situation, too, from a jockey standpoint as well. You're going to see. Now, Embrace the Day and Lady Macho, they're coming out of the same race, December the 4th, most recently. Embrace the Day was 7-2. Uh, to two. Lady Macho was right about 2-1. to one. Five to two. I got that read through. So they were close. They're, they're a half length separated each other. Normally, I might give a little bit of a slight edge. Lady Macho uh, took a little bit more money. They're, they're very close. But if you notice, I've got a little bit of a gap here. Um, Rob 
Jerry Robb's got the two. Embrace a new day is his name, of course. I should say. Embrace a new day. Second off the claim has always been a pretty good angle for him, especially lower levels, anything under 10. Lady Macho is a horse. Now, they're both dropping 10 down to 5. But no knocking against Rebecca Labar. She's just not going to take as much play, maybe, as a Rosado. So there's a situation in, in which they're really, they're kind of close. You just look at them off their last race. Similar running styles, everything. Got to think more, clearly more, there's going to be separation. Instead of being 2-5 to 2, I gave a little bit more gappage between these horses. And slight edge, Rob, second off the claim, 9 to 5. Five to two. Now we made a fool of the five. Now th this could change. The rider could change. So at scratch time, I've got to kind of pay attention because you can adjust too as well with, with riders. I don't usually do that a ton, but that's just the case in which um, one outfit I know in the claiming ranks as a claiming trainer and stuff, probably second time off, going to get a little bit more play. So I'll, I'll, I'll separate them just, just that much more uh, in this particular situation. So they're clearly... Uh, their first choice, second choice. Sunday in LBC, the three-horse, Todd Beatty, is a horse stretching out. He's never been a route of ground. But look at recent figures, very close. Um, but there is also, you know, this is sometimes I'll handicap a little bit. If I see a ton of speed in a race, once again, uh, even though the figures could make it soften the hair, so I'll temper it a little bit. So I've got this horse third choice. But could could it's definitely take play. But I do think... The Jerry Robb factor, a second off the claim kind of move with with a jockey trainer combo. It's been very strong. Obviously, these two haven't they 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 don't have anything of recent note. I'm going to give a strong a little bit more oomph and think the public's going to come in a little stronger on that horse. The two embrace a new day. Yeah. So that's that. So from the top, 39 to 5, 3, 15, 5 to 2, 8, and 6. So how do you then line the underneath horses? The rest horses? of them? Yeah, You were it's, saying it's a good that point. can be very tricky. You can pinpoint the top and yep. you can pinpoint the bottom, but what do you do? Once again, looking at hopefully they come out of similar races or similar class, similar types of races. And then to me, it's almost like a little bit of a formula uh, from their figures compared to the favorites' figures. So I'm projecting her to run about a mid-40 kind of a number and embrace a new day. So a horse like the six, I am a dancer, and the seven, why not you? They're kind of that mid-30s kind of maybe hedging up to a 40 on their best day. But they're from barns that don't get a ton of play. So normal gap, it's like, a, like if it's a 10-point buyer gap. You know, if I got a horse two, then that other one's going to be about nine to two five. But since these barns don't get a ton of play, I'm going to raise them just a little bit so and that's it that is basically it because it's got if you start from a spot it's got to add up sometimes i've got a lower horses that i don't you know really want to but just to make it work i have to do it how do you separate these two eight to one for i'm a dancer six to one for why uh, not you yeah. just based uh, yeah. on recency of figures <laughs> and the fact that why not you has gone around the ground in her previous starts yeah and, to... and, and her two back try was a little bit better she had yeah. a little bit of trouble you see last time out so even though they were, they were similar on the boards at 30 to 1 for the same level but you do glance a little bit a little trouble maybe rider might might attract a little bit more attention as, as well so yeah that's that so you dive into it but never too deep it's perfect that's that's a great Great way to look at it. That, that That's the key because you can't. And, and you know what? It's, it's funny sometimes, but it will help me sometimes from a handicapping standpoint in that I know I'll look at a race. And I might have a little bit of remembrance of something about a particular horse. 
but I know I'm going to get away with being able to have them at a higher price. Look at these I know I like this horse, but I'm still, I, I'll make them six, eight, ten. Because I know the public's going to, that's what he's going to probably end up or she's going to end up. So, but it, it, it will trigger sometimes and, and trigger me onto a, a good price horse. As I always tell you, you got to think a little bit out of the box a lot of the times. I shouldn't say a lot of times you got to think out of the box. That's where you come up with, you know, there's $18, $30 winners that, that you, know, you do come that, up with. That, that feel kind of just that have a good feel when you go to the window, right, on them. So, yeah, it happens. Well, you've been hinting at your handicapping skill. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to let you go without talking about no. the fact that you are one of the best handicappers currently around here. Last Saturday, it's Sunday today. We're recording mm -hmm. on a Sunday. You went seven from nine. Seven from nine. Picked right. the winners on top. We have well, to give four selections. Right. You had seven out of nine races. Well. The, the the winner on top and we're talking prices as well yeah i mean i wish they could have been a little bit bigger uh obviously but sometimes you got to take what's given to you but i was able to kind of unearth some other horses 11 12 14 range i'm always up for you know the guy that i'm you know i think about the long guy where you can bet a little and make a lot um but also knowing that you know how vulnerable favorites are and uh i'm just trying to get the most bang for my buck. But I, as I always tell people, when, when I give those four selections out, I'll kind of talk up if I really kind of like that top selection. If I'm not in love with it, because it's hard. You know how it's hard. Sometimes you look at a race, you don't want to even give a pick, right? Yeah. Okay. You better say it. You're, <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're hanging there awfully quiet. I'm you know. not supposed to admit to that. But yes, right. of course, there are races that you kind yeah. of think, you know what? I am not entirely certain mm -hmm. what will happen this race. Mm -hmm. This could be three, four horses that can come out of right. the top the way that this might shape out. And yeah. I really can't separate them that much. Right. And that's when you're not confident in your mm -hmm. pick. And that's when you're kind of sitting there going, hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that, and those are great times in which, you know, we'll, we'll talk about on the show. And I, I said, you know, it was a race. I think there was one yesterday where we caught a horse like that. And I was like, I just don't like the horses really that, that have recently run. Saw a little bit of an angle on a horse that's been away. But it was a little, you know, something there jogged my mind a little bit, saying, you know what, this is the best option comparatively. Because sometimes you see horses run time and time again, and you sit there and you're like, there's no way I'm ever picking this horse on top. I just can't do it. And it's, you know, it's just the the way it kind of works out. And you know, you're like, okay, I, I'm going to go with this. And, and but let the public know. Say, I don't have a great feel overall. If you want to dive into this race a little bit, maybe put your toes in the water, you've got $12, you want to do a little dollar exact, do this. Because I guarantee I'm going to have a couple horses that are double-digit odds that are going to give you that bang for your buck. And guess what? If you hit one out of three or four of those, five, you're going to come, you're going to make out okay. So yeah. for us mere mortals that are trying to pick those horses uh, themselves, where do you start as a handicapper well, this time? You've already gone over the field, of course, uh, making the morning line out. Yeah. But then as a handicapper, for those of us that, let's say I'm looking at the field for the first time, I mm -hmm. can see the morning line, but I am looking for those angles that you tend to come up with quite frequently. Where do you start? Mm, wow. Uh, first is just look at the race and get try to paint a picture how it's going to unfold and Bill and I will always talk, you know, we'll, we'll see three or four horses have to kind of be within each, you know, length of each other on the lead. And 
man, it never seems to pan out like that. <laughs> so it's always a thing. Sometimes if you see like two stone cold speed horses in a race, maybe you use both because that never fails that one of them gets left and the other one's left on the lead. So don't always think that there's only two that they're going to burn each other out. It takes a lot. You see it day in and day out. Horses go left, they go right. They're a little bit unpredictable, very unpredictable out of the gate. So so you're kind of left there just, just hanging. But no, I just want to paint a picture of the race. I'll look at it. I'll go over. I want to just get that flow. Calling so that's char- the speed setup. That's the speed set. Just to kind of how that this race is going to unfold. Um, calling charts for as many years as I have. Gosh, it's been a long time. You know, that's my that's my deal. Just kind of watching these races unfold. Just trying to pick that trip out in my head. Don't want to have horses that are wide. Usually, I don't. You know, I want to avoid that kind of wide trip. Um, this racetrack, Laurel and Pimlico, don't really ever get a ton of quote unquote bias. Everybody's always quick to jump on when the track is this, the track is that. And you always give it a day and let it play out. I mean, there might be a few days where it's. Literally, you know, the inside is just golden. You see two or three races. Horses are doing, maybe are hanging on much better than they what they should. Okay, I'll give you that. But you, you, you got to be careful when trying to kind of nailing a track down as it has its plane. But, you know, go back there. You know, do look at kind of um, trips maybe against the grain of the racetrack where it was playing a little bit. But I, I'm always trying to envision horses with getting the right kind of trip. You know, either relaxed up front, just off – I. I tend usually not to go look for that deeper, deeper closer. You know, I want that horse that's going to kind of be making that move in range at least, especially if you close, maybe 316's pole that will carry it from there. Um, it's a lot of times, and, and even sometimes horses, they just find trouble. You know, some horses are just unlucky. They always seem to 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 uh, uh, find find trouble in a race. But uh, there's no exact way. It's just, it's just, like I say, it's feel. I mean, I'll break down races you know, I used to really, and I just don't have the time anymore. You know, I'd sit there and just do internals and comparatively early fractions halves and the, the finals, and you know, you know, horses were stretching out a little bit to here and there, and it was like an old kind of a uh, system that my uncle Jerry used to, you know, the late great uncle Jerry. Everybody's listening; they know Uncle Jerry from around here. But um, that taught me when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I used to just sit and do that and break the races down. Now I just don't have as much time. But I, I, I can do a lot more in my head as well, too. So And you've got the help, the advantage. Maybe speed figures have always kind of, you know, they've kind of helped, but they've kind of hurt maybe from a value standpoint because everybody also has that kind of, that same information. You know, they can, some guys use the sheets, some guys use the, the buyers, some guys, you know, Bristnet, whatever's out there. But uh, What do you use? Uh, you know, how I'll, I'll, you know, I, I primarily look, work off the form. That's, that's, that's what I've had. You know, if somebody's got a sheet or something, I'll look at it here and kind of, kind of gauge and see. And then you know, some guy will say, you know, that's sometimes with the morning line, some guys, sheet guys might be those guys that have a little bit more money. They can invest in those. And some horses may just come up with a bigger number comparatively to a buyer. And that's when I'll know sometimes if my morning line, you know, <laughs> the guys, well, you know, we'll talk to, I'll talk to somebody and I'll say, okay, I got this horse at, you know, at five, and there's man's horse really ran a big number wherever on rags or whatever. Yeah. Oh no! And then the horse <laughs> oh. will open up five to two or three, and I go, oh, no. So, but it, that doesn't happen a ton. But um, you you do it, it. It sometimes will come into play. But I think I'm good enough the, the way it is right now. But really seeking out trips, um, visualizing that race, kind of leaning on some jockeys that that I do trust, trainers that I do trust, um, and angles. You know, that's the one thing we always do on the show. We we go, you know, 
each day I'll come up with a stat of the day and, and, uh, you know what? I, I, I'd like to know what they've been over the last four or five years, you know, on a return on investment. I think we've caught some pretty, pretty good payouts with, with our stats of the day. So that's another thing. And that's, boy, that's the help of having a thing like formulator you can go into and really, you're like, oh man, there's just some tendencies of trainers. Tailors, oh, yeah, you can, you can tailor them. And then you're looking, you're like, man, like, you know, Dale Capp the other day, he was 47% with maiden claimers first off a claim. Just phenomenal with a with a great ROI. So it's just sometimes it, it's just that man. You look at a race, you see how they vision. They don't look and find a stat to go along with it, and that's just like a deadly combination. Yeah, it's good. Before I let you go, you mm-hmm. mentioned um, that the tracks here in Maryland play quite evenly. I, I For do the most know part, when, yeah. I do know when I got here to Laurel Park there that what I'd heard from some other people it tended to be for a while a track that you wanted to come with that kind of sweeping move mm-hmm. around a turn. People didn't want to be on the rail yeah. that much at the time. You kind of wanted to be closing into yeah. the center of the track, already be the speed horse kind of fanning out toward like maybe two pass away yeah. from the rail. Yeah. Doesn't seem to be the case anymore. Well, there, it, it, I think you're right, and it seems to play quite nice. We've had a lot of horses come up the rail sure. doing quite well. So, ha, ha, what's your take on the current state of the track here at Lower Park? No, I think it's. I think it's. They they do a great job. They keep it fair. Um, and uh, once again, it's up to up to that jockey to kind of work out the trip that he needs best. Um, our deeper closers had a little bit of a disadvantage. Oh, I think they're de- I think they're an advantage, disadvantage kind of almost everywhere. So you yeah. know, you're you're up <laughs> against it. You you don't have that style uh, to go. But they've done a pretty good job. We had we had a few days back. What was it? I'm trying to think. Well, the first couple of days of Pimlico that was like old Pimlico. The rail was the rail was golden. It was it was it was playing great. Then it kind of changed the next weekend. Got a little more fair, but we had about. I want to say it was about a month and a half ago for like a trend of like five or six days, seven days. Inside speed was very good. Inside and speed was, was good. Um, and then I think back like, I think it was back in sometime in 19. It might have been the fall where we had a really a, a trend of a wide that lasted almost like two weeks. But then, you know, you pick up off of that. But you can only kind of run that for so long from a handicap to help you. You know, you got to strike within maybe the month when those horses come back. And then, then you kind of go from there. But. Day in and day out, this this place has been pretty consistent playing at, from you know, as a racetrack. Yeah. So overall, would you advise people to not take too much note of certain biases when it comes to tracks? Or yeah, I I, I think you can get really over overwhelmed with that, and you, it just if it was that good, I guess a lot of guys we we wouldn't be doing the extra jobs we're doing and everything like that. I mean, certainly in some cases you you gotta you know you gotta take into consideration. Is it the be all end all? Absolutely not. Still got to work out that trip. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah. Keith, thank you so much yeah. for joining me here today. Everyone, keep your eyes out for Keith's picks. He gives them every morning on today at the races because. He hits quite well with a really uh, good return. Of, yeah, I mean, I seven it. out of nine, just to, you know, to nitpick a day here right. yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Can't go wrong with that. That's phenomenal. Well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, we, we put a lot of work. I know you do, Tim. Tim, the whole team, we've, we've always uh, put a lot, of, a lot of work into it. Um, and we're here, like I always say, we're, we're here to uh, help the better. You know, anything I tell people they ever want to call and ask, pick my brain, ask anything. And if anybody sees anything, like if we miss something and, and you know, that I might not, might have missed trouble here or there in, in a charge, 
let us know. I mean, I'm I'm always open to to, to listen. I mean, I can I can take the heat if if you if, told if me I mess this once something out because right. I said I mean, it wasn't on the running line that this horse bumped or stumbled, right, and right. you go, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> yeah, well, it's I mean, we can. I mean, I, I take pride in trying not to miss trouble. I mean, mm -hmm. that is when Bill, I think, you know, he does a phenomenal job as well, and. Uh, I've been around some great guys, you know, that have kind of taught me a lot. And then I kind of hone myself in from there. But, yeah, I mean, we're all going to make mistakes. But, I mean, I think day in and day out we do, we do a damn good job. And we just want to kind of, you know, be there, help the public and, uh, in, in, in any way, you know, in shape or form that we can. I mean, that's that, that's what makes I, – I feel good, you know, if so I'm walking through with some guy just, hey, man, thanks for waking me up on that one. That's – that's, 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 that's worth it. I mean, that's when you, you know, you're like, okay. And it could be, it could be like, and, and especially when it's like that $2 better that I know, you know, that might be his dinner. I don't know. You know, you, you just don't know. And, uh, any way we can help anybody out is, is great. Cause it's a great game. We're here to have fun. We're here to make a little bit of money. So yeah. We try to have a little bit of fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. You do a phenomenal job, Keith. Thank you again. Huh? Thanks so much. Wonderful handicapper and someone I try to learn from on a daily basis. As far as how to interpret the morning line, Keith added an interesting note after we concluded the recording, namely, let's say we're talking about a runner. Let's say he's a three-year-old gelding called X. He runs in, for example, a first level allowance race and gets a four to one morning line. He runs well enough, nothing overly flashy, and comes back fifth. He runs again at the same level, similar strength of field, and the resident moonline maker keeps him at four to one. What Keith mentioned to me is that you should pay attention when the resident morning line odds maker keeps a horse that you might expect to go out in odds at the same morning line. This means he might be more live than you would think on face value. Of course, the example I just mentioned could actually also be that he's still running and the horse ran terribly, but next time out, the morning line odds maker still keeps him at that similar value. The only drawback here, I would say that what Keith and I discussed that the Moonland Odds Maker does mainly look at it from a public's point of view. So it's up to you to feel if that similar morning line is still warranted, but it's good to keep the above in mind as being helpful that the Morning Line Odds Maker is still giving this horse a four to one chance, despite maybe an average effort or a subpar effort. So Summing this all up, I hope you took notes or will remember the 120 plus or minus a point per runner system to determine the odds and how two to one means two plus one is three is 30 points. Just a good system to be aware of if you are interested in this or in this exercise. Thank you all for listening again this week. I absolutely love the support. And of course, I'm so proud to be part of the Americans Best Racing's podcast show of the year family. Congrats, guys. Wonderful achievement again. In the money media. PTF, JK, Matt Bernier, Nick Luck, Spencer, Drew Coatney. Keep on rocking, guys. Christmas is also fast approaching. I wish everyone happy holidays and please stay safe. Next week, I'm thinking of doing a 2020 flashback, highlighting some of the performance I loved 
most this year. Christmas is a time to reflect, after all. All right, guys, that's it for this week. See you next week.